Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Ben from Foulfront, and we discuss desert ducks, the waterfowl podcast scene, Freak Baby Explained, and much, much more. Before we jump into the podcast, quick heads up, guys. I really implore you to check out my and Elliot's YouTube channels. Um, we got a lot of content coming out before season, and you won't want to miss our hunt videos that we'll be posting all through the season. So, without any further ado, let's jump into the podcast. What's going on, guys? And thanks for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube. My co-host alongside me is Elliot from Free Lance Duck Hunting on YouTube, and we got our special guest for tonight, Ben from Foulfront. How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys? Doing great. That's great to have you on. Fan of your podcast for sure. You're doing a great job with that. Yep. Well, that is a mutual thing here. So I love <laughs> you guys are you guys are right after I get done proofing mine, I tune in for your guys's. So Very awesome. Cool. Glad to hear it. What have you been doing with your summer? What, what what's been going on lately? Yeah. Oh man, I've been more than that. Um God, you know, brand new kid. She's about three months old. I just feel like I'm just watching her grow like in between like diaper changes, you know, she's just growing and pooping, growing and pooping. That's about it. Well, I can, uh, I can fill you on that one because I, I got a eight month, eight month old child as well. So does it get better? Uh, y- yes, it does. I, I don't know if you're having trouble with crying and all that kind of stuff at night, but I mean, I think it, our kid cried a lot at night. And uh, it's got way better though. So <laughs> the there's light at the end of the tunnel. The pooping think... stays. My oldest pooped his pants recently. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he called it a triple threat, uh, but I won't go into the details. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> you don't want to know. You don't want the details on that. No. <laughs> I mean, I kind of do, but we probably should save it for. Like... I can tell you. I'd be happy. No. <laughs> he bragged about it. He went to church and told. Um, this really beautiful woman at church he told her all about it mm. like what are you doing <laughs> he brags about it like it's some kind of badge of honor three things at once <laughs> vomiting peeing and pooping all in his pants at once mm. that hey, he's ready for college <laughs> doesn't sound like there a was fun no day. drinking involved that's the thing <laughs> he wasn't drunk i hope not he better not maybe he was no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. That was not how we were planning on starting the episode. But <laughs> uh, anytime we, I can get in some good toilet humor, it's gonna it's gonna make me personally laugh for sure. Yeah, we never really have a, a normal start anyway. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Speaking, I'm gonna roll with the fart for a little bit. Uh, did either of you guys see the video that I made with all the fart humor in it about uh, my classroom? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Were you crop dusted? A- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I crop dust those kids, and I, I had not done it. Um, until I told that story on, on that episode. And so the next week, since I had been talking about it, I tried it and this little girl busted me. She's like, Mr. Snyder, you farted. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out. <laughs> but as a teacher, you have to have that, you know, toilet humor. It just comes with <laughs> it. 
Uh, sure. I, you know, I think it'd be, you start blaming it on other kids, try to get some dissension going on in the classroom, <laughs> causing, causing some drama. Oh, it's awesome. Because if you, if you do it properly, they'll just blame each other like crazy. And, well, and shortly after that though, I did refine the skill once again, because I've got a picture of these fifth graders in the gym, just pointing at each other all angrily and everything. And I was just sitting back laughing. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Okay. I'll stop now. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh... I don't know. Let's see. I've been. Uh, I made a post about Chief recently this week. He's got some, uh, a little bit of a, a scab he got on his nose, and I, and some people are saying that it possibly could be from just like retrieving a lot. Because I've been working training with him a lot, you know, four or five times a day, um, you know, working on the whistle sit and hand signals, and you know, trying to get him up to snuff on all that. But ended up having this sore opened up on just like just past like where the fur starts and and meets the the nose. I don't know what you call the the type of skin on their nose. So, anyways, hey chief, let me see your face. Let's see. I don't know if you guys can see it. Probably not. Yeah. So it, it's it's healed up a lot though. So I'll do a picture huh. when it's all the way healed up. Someone but, said they thought it was sunburn. What? what? I don't yeah. think it's sunburn. No, it wasn't sunburn because the the actual hair was gone. So there's two things. Someone said also that uh, it could be from like if you have like a plastic bull and you could have like aggravation from that. But, um, you know, I, I didn't see anything from either one of those. So I've just stopped retrieving and it started healing up. Cause every time we'd retrieve it opened back up. All right. Easy yeah. buddy. Easy buddy. Does he use his nose a lot in his retrieves? Like the nose thing to is the he, Yeah. He doesn't stop. So he like just jams it into the ground and sometimes he misses, yeah. you know, like going full blast and he just jams his face in the ground, tries to pick up the, the bumper. Is this in your backyard? Yep. Have you like laid fertilizer down or anything recently or anything like that? Mm-mm. No. Nope. <laughs> I so. think it's just from the retrieving. When Izzy's first few years, when I bought her, because um, yellow labs can either have black skin or, or like a pinkish they call liver color, right? And mm-hmm. I wanted a yellow lab with all black um, skin pigment. Um, and so normally they have a real black nose. Her first couple years of hunting season, it would bleed a little bit right in that same spot. And it would start kind of looking uh, more liver colored, but then in the off season, it would go back to being all black. And after about the third or fourth season, it just never changed black to black. And now her nose is more pink, but it actually bled a little bit. Never looked it opened up as, as chiefs did, but mm. it did bleed a little bit um, for three or four seasons in a row during hunting season. So I'll guarantee you that's just from retrieving. Okay. Well, th- that's probably what it is. Cause it's healed up since we've stopped and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it's weird. Can, Her nose never turned back. It, it just stayed that. Now it's, that is weird. Yeah. Pink forevermore. Huh. You train with him like four times a day, Jordan. Yeah. Like I'll go like, uh, you know, before work, I'll do it in the morning. As soon as I get home, then like after dinner and then right before bedtime. Oh man. Yeah. That's I mean, all you got to do is like five, dedication. 10 minute, you know, segments. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty doable. Like first, what are like, you guys working on? What are you working on right now? Um, just hand like whistle sit and hand signals and, and blind retrieves. How's she doing? He, he's doing, he's, doing? I mean, he's done. He's got way better. Like when we first started, I was like super concerned because, um, like, I just didn't think he's going to do it. He's just like, you know, like, I don't know why you're trying to give me hand signals. I'm just going to go do what I want. And like, <laughs> but like once he figured it out, you know, figured out it just, I mean, it kind of, you know, snapped and then he got real enthusiastic about it and, you know, I can give him a hand signal. I'm still having a little bit of trouble on the whistle sit. Like he does it, but it's not like, you know, the first time right away. Um, so that's just all I'm working on right now instead of doing like whistle sit and the hand signals. 
have you gone out of the backyard yet with it? I have not. No. Okay. You got re make sure that you do it in multiple locations because yeah. dogs yeah. will oftentimes just have a they'll associate it only with a backyard, mm -hmm. and it won't it won't transfer sometimes if you if you don't vary the location. Yeah, I definitely need to, and I have spots I can go to, especially like. I mean, I could be doing water stuff with him since that's not going to mess up his nose, but it's just time and being lazy, I guess. <laughs> but Ben, you, do you work a dog? So I have, I have three dogs. I've got uh, two labs. Uh, one's golden, one's black. And then I have a golden retriever. Um, all hunting? Between all three of them, I have maybe half of a duck dog. <laughs> uh, oh, man. <laughs> So, you know, what we're working on right now, uh, the big things that we're working on right now with them is uh, trying to keep them off the bed. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I, I kid, but uh, no, I take Winnie, my, um, he's the only one that's not a rescue and not afraid or terrified of loud noises. And she'll go out with me sometimes when I go out just by myself. And um, usually she'll like wait in the truck till all the decoys are set up. Or like she'll like sleep until like I shoot the first time, and she's like good for like every third retrieve. But I just bring her along for company. Um, she's she's about eight years old, but um, I'm definitely looking forward to um, getting a, a, another dog uh, someday. And as you know, as soon as the uh, no longer taking care of a tiny little human yeah. um, that yeah. requires so much attention. Well, three labs in a house. That's I don't a know. Lot. If I, I don't know if I can. If I'm a four dog kind of guy, though. So <laughs> I'm not a three dog kind of guy. I think two at the most one's one's good. Two is pushing it and but three's a pack. My grandpa would have hey. five. <laughs> oh, he'd, have, he'd have four bird dogs pointers and then he'd have one English shepherd and he had like a kennel back in his backyard. And it's pretty, I will well, say, that, yeah, well, that's a setup for that. I'll say this though. Yep. Um, two dogs is easier than one dog. Um, Cause they kind of like play with each other and tucker each other out. Um, but three dogs? <laughs> it doesn't no. work. Nope. Man, I have a, Chief is an explorer, though. I let him out. To, like, he just runs off if, I, if I'm if i not paying attention. Like, I let him off to pee and, like, or let him outside to pee. And uh, I forgot about him. And it had been, like, ten minutes. And he's just gone. Like, gone, gone. <laughs> he is, like, ten houses down. I, I'm, like, going through people's backyards, blowing the whistle. And, like, finally I see him trotting towards me, like, tongue all the way out to the ground. Like, he's just, you know, exhausted. I'm like, what'd you do? It's been ten minutes. He's just, like, sprinted <laughs> off. And I have no idea. Like, I don't know. And, like, too, he's probably, like, getting bored because we can't train as much. But that was, like, yeah. this week. <laughs> I mean, I left the door open the other day on accident, the front door wide open, just, you know, dad brain or whatever. And, uh, I came back about 45 minutes later and, uh, chilling in the house. They're like, you know, it's hot out there, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they're all, they're all pretty chill dogs. So how are they around the trash can and the dinner table? So I'm tracking your trash can issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My golden, uh, boy, boy, Husker is his name. Uh, one time and i think he ate something that made him just sicker than a dog and uh never since that's fortunate actually that's great yeah so. well i was bragging recently about how izzy has never stolen food off of my plate personally but she will other people's and that has now changed the other day i put um i had a like a microwave pizza on a plate and i went into the kitchen 
and she took that thing off the plate. I was so mad at that dog. And I, I mean, I don't hardly punish her anymore. And when I do, I don't like inflict physical damage on her. I will slap her snout, you know? Yeah. And I try, I'm more aggressive and, you know, demonstrative to her, but I don't really think you have to put a lot of physical pain onto them. But she was certainly really, really scared. And I posted the picture on Instagram. She got behind my daughter and just hid right behind her. And in the picture, she's just peeking out, looking so scared. I was, oh, I was just livid. Because I'm always bragging. It's like, she'll never steal my food. She won't ever take it off my place. <laughs> her, her table manners the last month or two, since I was on that fishing trip to Nebraska, her dinner table manners have been terrible. I mean. She's what, just nine? She's uh, turning 11 here in a month. 11. Don't don't dogs do like some sort of like mental transition or something as they get into like the last like third of their their life or something where they they're almost like completely different dogs? I don't know. She certainly is in this aspect. Now, I, I, she she lived with me and my son alone until she was about six. So part mm-hmm. of it too, it, well, it's more like four. Part of it too is now there's four kids in the house. So there has been for the past six years, but. Yeah. Um, and the little, my little girl feeds her lots of scraps and cause I never used to let her beg at all. In fact, she won't even look at me when I'm eating. She'll just keep her head down until I look away back and she'll drop her head, but it's just too hard to control around a full family. And, and that's one thing I'm really worried about getting a dog, a new, new dog is trying to train it with three teenage boys and a sixth, fifth, sixth grade girl and just controlling that environment. I'm really concerned about how that's going to go. Right. Right. Well, I think there was a there was a quote that I heard yesterday and it was like something like you know, a good man knows his his limits. And um I know my limits and I don't know if I have at this juncture in the next like 5 years of, of my life if I've got the I've got it in me to train a dog. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun way, like once you get started though. Yeah, probably probably Elliot's got sound advice, but it's just a lot of fun once you get started. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I would have to give something would give or not or something wouldn't give, and I'd just be a a man with you know four crazy hobbies. So (laughs) you don't you don't need a newborn in four labs. That is for absolute certain. (laughs) You got to get a couple of those labs to pass on before you before you try it. I'm gonna say that, but I didn't want my wife to watch this or hear it at some point. So naturally pass on. Yeah. But yeah, good good clarification there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to be advocating anything otherwise. Dan has seriously told me that he's gonna knock off one of his dogs because so, his wife keeps bringing home uh keeps bringing home strays. And he's talked about it to the point where I think he's almost serious. He's talking about like no, you cannot do that. But well, now you, you gave it away online. Now so. she doesn't watch this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he FBI won't. He won't actually it do it for all of you animal lovers <laughs> out there. He's more talk than he's action. <laughs> but if the dog does mysteriously die, we'll see. <laughs> there was a Seinfeld episode about that. A dog, uh, Lane was going to assassinate a dog for Jerry one time. Ooh. I don't, did you just date yourself there though, Elliot? Yeah, probably so. Okay. <laughs> well, I got you guys by like 17 years at least. So. Yeah, we're like, we're more like, what is it? How I met your mother and friends, I think is. Well, Saved, by know, Saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. Family matters, full house. So, and not to, not to cause any controversy, but do you also like Frasier? Uh, I, I don't love it, but I have watched it. 
Okay. I don't know. But Cheers, I used to watch Cheers in grade school like crazy. Okay, that's yeah, that's I've seen a couple episodes of Cheers. It's a good show. Never seen. Hey, question, question about you know, camera. I do have a serious question though here. Um, what do I do with my hands? That's that's the main thing. Whatever you you want. (laughs) Whatever you want. (laughs) But try to talk naturally. So I I think that it's important to use your hands some. Yeah. Um, but not overly use them. I was watching a video today on YouTube about this guy about aliens and stuff. And this guy was overly using his hands and it was really distracting. Like just waving them. Yeah. You got to do like Trump things. Is like, it, you know, is like... it this guy, the, the, the guy that you see <laughs> the memes. <laughs> so actually I do have a theory on the hand thing. I want to use them some, but not over. Ah. Yeah. I want to use them more than none. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess, uh, probably a good point to jump into the main topic. You guys ready? Yep. All right. Um, if you guys haven't, or if you guys are just joining us now, um, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles uh, on YouTube, and my co-host alongside me is Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube. Our guest for today is Foul Front. Um, how you doing today? Good. How are you? <laughs> doing good. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, uh, you know what your story is. You know what you got going on, and we'll start from there. Okay. Yeah, so Ben from Foulfront, um, Foulfront Waterfowl Podcast, um, and I started uh, podcasting a couple months ago. Uh, but more importantly, I started um, waterfowl hunting about five years ago. Um, I had to move down to El Paso, and um, I, I grew up hunting uh, upland in like Nebraska and Kansas, um, and then got really big into deer uh, hunting in, in high school and uh, college. Um, but then my job took me down to the desert and I don't know if you've ever been out to West Texas, but you've got to pay to play, uh, if you want to hunt deer out there, um, or you have to, um, get into the draw up in New Mexico. And I didn't have the, I didn't quite have the money to, to be doing that. And one day, uh, one of the buddies, one of my buddies that I worked with, he said, Hey, yeah, he was just passively talking about his weekend. And then he said, yeah, and we went and shot some ducks on the Rio Grande and I was, well, hold on, pull over. Uh, like oh, we went duck hunting down on the, the Rio Grande. And I said, you know, we're in the middle of a desert. Like there's no, <laughs> there's ducks here. And he's like, Oh yeah, you gotta go. And I said, okay, well, when's the next time you're going? I'll, I was like literally typing up to, and I remember growing up, I'd gone duck hunting a couple times in college. And then a couple times when I was younger. And I remember not particularly enjoying it for whatever reason. I, I don't know. Maybe it was like all the gear, the like super cold. No, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I just don't remember liking it. Um, but yeah. So I, I got into duck hunting down there and did that down there for three years. And then, um, Oklahoma. Oh, looks like we lost you for here a second. I will right, try to get him back here, guys. So he, while, while we're getting him back, um, I don't know if you ever wrote that or read that full article that he wrote about his duck hunting time in the desert, but it's really um, oh. easy to read and it's really interesting. I think we got him back. Yep, we I'm back him. now. Sorry about that. Where did I cut off? Uh, I'm not sure. I was just, I was just when you cut away, I was telling about the article that you read. That you wrote. Uh, let's yeah. see. Last thing you said, something about Oklahoma, I think, right? Ah, yep. Yeah. So moved on up to Oklahoma. Uh, did a season there. It was pretty nice. Had a lot of success on some some private land that I had permissions on, and then 
Kansas. And you grew up in Nebraska. Yes, correct. I grew up uh, grew up in Nebraska, uh, right off the the banks of the Platte River. Yeah, did, did actually spent some time in Kansas too, um, off the banks of the the Blue. Um, but then uh, my my parents we we moved quite frequently when I was I was younger. So, but Nebraska is home uh, from about oh fifth grade on. So awesome. Um, what where in Nebraska? Central, lower central? Familiar with where Grand Island is? It's I believe okay. the fourth largest city in Nebraska, uh, with an astounding forty-seven thousand people. So how close is that to all those little potholes? I can't remember what the name of that area is. Right in south central Nebraska. The like the prairie pothole or the the basin? Basin, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the basin, the, the rainwater basin. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. So to get there, it's probably a good two and a half, three hour drive. Um, yeah. So Grand Island is pretty much smack dab in the middle of the state. Um, it's about 90 miles West of Lincoln. So you're not into Um, the sand hills yet there. It's farmland. No, no. Yeah. It's, um, in fact, Grand Island is, um, well, it's not. Well, it used to be an island, um, but it's where the uh, the Rio Grande kind of, or not the Rio Grande, uh, the Platte River split. Um, just there's just one channel of it that runs along the south side of Grand Island now. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few river valleys um, and some like a lot of wooded area and, and ag farmland. Um, so. Now, I noticed you've done some collaborative work with High Prairie Sportsman, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What, I met Matt. Go ahead, Tell me your relationship with him and how you guys kind of got to collaborating. So I went uh, to college at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And through kind of wanting to like, I don't remember specifically how I met him, but I met this guy named Tony White. Um, and he was he's big into duck hunting and taxidermy and all that stuff. And, and he introduced me to Matt. And, um, I remember me and Matt and Tony, one time we went out on a, uh, a duck hunt, um, Lincoln there. And I think we jump shot some, some teal, um, and then just kind of had a, um, you know, a connection after that and all, you know, they had a group of, uh, friends that were all, you know, duck hunters, pheasant hunters and, and deer hunters. And so I kind of just tagged along with them and, um, they would do, we would do some like, uh, wild game uh cookouts like or everybody would bring wild game and prepare it in a, a fashion and and obviously you know like the regular college kid stuff like partying and things yeah. like that so yeah yeah we yeah. Well, I had a chance to fish with matt up in the sand hills nebraska he's a great guy oh he's so yeah. funny we call, old mutt they call, they call him mutt <laughs> oh yeah oh that's good so, to know. yeah oh <laughs> might not have, might have brought up the old college nickname but no matt's a really good guy and like he'll just call you and talk your ear off and and he's really knowledgeable about um habitat um and conservation yeah. and knows knows a thing or two about getting on on some ducks yep but, for sure for sure yeah so how many states have you hunted in you said you so, started in new mexico and then kansas and nebraska and yeah, so I guess you could say the the genesis of my hunting, maybe not waterfowl, was uh, Kansas, then Nebraska, um, but waterfowl hunting, I, you'd call it Texas, uh, New Mexico, 
and now Kansas and, and obviously Nebraska. I made some trips home since then. So, yeah, so nice. five states. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I've only hunted in Indiana, so I'm missing out. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's making his first Kansas trip this year. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to get in a hunt, two hunts probably. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, if you ever if you find your, if you find your way out, out here, let me know. We'll hook up. I got a, I got a couple spare bedrooms and a, and a bar and, uh, some birds, I suppose. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Anytime. So kind of jumping back to what you were saying earlier. So uh, you are a fellow podcaster and, and uh, there's, it seems to be like, uh, you know, this year, like we started our podcast and there was like, wasn't a lot of podcasts going on. There's uh you know, the bigger one going on. And then like, uh, you know, you started one, we started one and a bunch of other guys kind of, you know, yeah. there's been like this yeah. uh, influx, I guess, of, of podcasts what do you uh what do you think about all that um what do i think about that i think first and foremost um i don't you know um somebody once told me that you know podcasts are not it's not like going to, you don't choose one place to get your groceries your groceries if you need groceries you're gonna go to dylan's you're gonna go to walmart you're gonna go to cvs whatever but um i think it's really cool um that there's all these different things um popping up and the other thing too is is like the collaboration um i think that's that's the best thing um for the for the listeners and you know my whole goal over um at the foul front is um, i want to like educate and like build a good base of ethical conservation-minded hunters uh, basically getting people from the couch if you're just thinking about um man, I don't, I don't really, I haven't been duck hunting before, but I haven't even been hunting before. Um, but I kind of want to get into it. Like my podcast, I'm hoping that if you listen out there, we'll, we'll get you hooked up. That's kind of, that's kind of my intent with it. And, you know, going back to like, you know, you got the big honker podcast, you guys, us, um, um, and then, you know, some of the other bigger ones too, from some of the guys that are in the industry, like, uh, was it Chad Belding? Um, but I think us littler guys, um, I think it's really cool that, you know, we're all kind of real, like we're just people, we're just duck hunters. Yeah. If we can get, if we can get together and help people out, why wouldn't we want to do that? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. I've, I've listened enough of yours, um, podcast to pick up on the fact that you're pushing ethics quite a bit. Um, I was listening you were telling a story about a pond and some guys, kind of threatening threatening you guys a little bit and and i guess the whole point of what i'm trying to say is what you're trying to do with the educate and ethics certainly does come through i I could pick up right away on that um after just listening to one or two of your podcasts so job well done with that for sure because that's something we definitely need you know and the thing is is to you say well you've only been waterfowl hunting for five years ben like what do you you what do you think, man? It's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can learn a lot in five years. And then another thing too, is, is I'm a lot closer to some mistakes that were made. Mm-hmm. I've made mistakes. You know, I'm a lot closer to the, all those lessons learned than, than some people, um, perhaps. And it, I was really frustrated when I was trying to learn because I didn't have a mentor and, um, I had to learn and read a lot of things. Um, and just trying to, to help somebody out if i help one person out that's in the same situation as me we're good to go yeah 
Mentors awesome. are definitely needed because I know Jordan has talked about he just picked up duck hunting and he at the time he was kind of going out by himself and wasn't sure how far to shoot distance on shots. And yeah, and I've said this quite a bit that, you know, I think there's a lot of guys in their 20s that are getting into it and they're getting into the sport without those mentors and they're making a lot of. Um, ethical mistakes as far as shot selection and setting up too close to other people just because they don't have a mentor, just because they don't know um, kind of how to go about things. And I'm really, really hopeful with some of the voices that are popping up um, that that topic is going to be talked about a great deal of just how to go about your business so that you, number one, do things in an ethical way, do things in a safe way and do things in a way that you're not disturbing people around you. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. And I think those, the, those three things that you just talked about, what quicker way to dissuade somebody from duck hunting um, or hunting in general, than to have them really tick somebody off and have that person come give them an earful and just rip into them. And then um, experience with, um, with game, maybe, you know, either one, failing to interact with it or doing something unethical and then feeling bad about it. And then the third thing talking about, you know, rules and regulations, hundred dollar ticket. Um, that's a real quick way to get a man out of the, out of the sport, you know, or a hunter out of the sport, I should say. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, that kind of even brings up another issue. I mean, it's great to have, like you're saying, like with the podcast and YouTube to have like the mentorship of other hunters and help people learn from our mistakes. But like, I mean, this is kind of going off on a tangent, but we do that a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I've, I've actually been the recipient of one of those hundred $100 plus tickets. And, um, you know, I mean, this is, I would say that the DNR could do a better, a better job. And it's kind of like a gray area because it, it kind of goes to the point of saying, like, are you breaking the spirit of the law or the letter of the law? And um, in my instance, um, you know, just kind of laying it all out there. Uh, the the ticket I got was for using a motorized vehicle to aid in the chase of uh, game. I think it's the exact wording. But yeah. what happened was we shot a goose, and you know, it it sailed maybe seventy yards. Nah, probably more than that. A hundred yards upstream. And we took the boat up to it and we're coming up on it and this goose is like diving and then coming back up and it's diving and coming back up and we're kind of, you know, coasting like we're not, we're barely just going up to it and he pops up again and the motor's still running and we're still going for it. I mean like five, seven miles per hour and I shoot the goose, um, you know, in the head, finish him off and, uh, you know, post that video up on YouTube and then I get a call from the, the DNR. Actually, they showed up at my house. I didn't even get a call. And they're looking for me. <laughs> from seeing the video? And from seeing the video, yeah. And I get, um, like, this is in, like, April, you know, and that video is from January. And I end mm. up getting a hundred and, you know, I can't remember. I think it was, like, $120, $150 ticket for that. And, like, the thing is, like, I'm, I'm trying to be ethical and finishing off a wounded goose so it doesn't get away. Like, I could sit there. I could shoot another one. But, like, the right thing to do is to get your wounded bird. And, um, you know, the reason that raw, that law is written is to prevent people from, like, driving up on, like, a herd of deer on a four-wheeler and shooting yeah. them. It's not to prevent somebody from getting a, a wounded goose off the water. <laughs> or cruising into a, a flock of geese and, yep. shoot, you know, just unload and 
yeah, yeah, full blast coming in there and shooting them. No, that's not what we're using, you know, aiding in the chase of an animal. You know, it's like, come on. So, you I mean, know, that's, I, that's a good way for the DNR to push away hunters, too. <laughs> I think there's, there's several um, lessons in there, too. Um, and one thing, too, is, is that um, you're talking about the spirit or the letter of the law. And of course, this the the letter of the law, um, you know, describes a situation where, you know, some dude takes his running his boat through, comes around the bend, bam, 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 you know, kills four ducks. Um, that's you know, that's what it, that's what it's there for. But the the other thing, probably the perhaps the reason you got the ticket was the well, I mean, obviously it was the video because that was the evidence. Yep, yep some sort of precedent that they you know try to, to spend and i know there's a huge difference between your local um your game wardens and like your state game wardens and like the federal guys and i don't know which one it was that you dealt with but um a huge this guy was like between... four counties away he just saw the video okay. and came all the way to my house <laughs> this is a long Sorry, trip yeah yeah <laughs> was he aggressive with his attitude um only when i tried to argue it yeah. The, then he told me that he uh, he could take away my guns and stuff if he wanted to. Yeah. And for those of you that are listening and, and and don't know, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that um, if your motor's running, you have to turn off the motor and then allow your boat to come to a stop to arrest before right? you can yeah to arrest before you can shoot. Yeah. So you can never have your motor going, and you have to have come to to a resting point. Is the the technical yep. law. Yeah, and the well, I'll say about game wardens too is obviously they're they're people as well, and I've I've run in I've had more positive experiences with game wardens than anything, mm-hmm. and there's a huge lesson on that is like, you know you you know Jordan you were just talking about, uh, not by any means, but once you started arguing with them, you know then now you're appealing to his human side, you know, um, when he's you know trying to do his job and. We've all been in that situation um, where someone at work tells us perhaps we are wrong. And uh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not uh, trying to give like a, the DNR like a bad name. Like that was just like, um, oh yeah, no. You know, because they're doing their job. They got to do their job, and it's I'm glad they they do their job. Um, but yeah, I just you know some instances I'm just saying same thing along the way like with mentorship. Like, I mean, yeah. And one, one really easy way to have like a good positive experience with a game warden is, uh, you know, you see the game warden come over. Don't look at it as an, like, oh man, this dude's ruining my hunt and act like that. Look at it as a way I can't, I've gotten some really good scouting um, tips from, yeah. from game wardens. And what I, first thing I do is I unload my, my gun, um, set it up against the blind or the boat and just start pulling out the, the ducks and uh, I meet them halfway empty handed and ask them how they're doing. Uh, and uh, they usually strike up a conversation because, I mean, think about it. How how difficult is it that every single day you walk up to someone that's really annoyed and has a firearm? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's uh, that's, that's got to be a tough job, you know? I would say that I've met police officers that have a chip on their shoulder. I have met very, very few game officers that do one federal guy. One time um, we had a situation where we were sitting in our blind and someone down the way um, quite a ways away shot a shoveler and that thing coasted down and essentially just landed in front of our, in front of our blind. 
Um, I can't remember the exact details on it, but I'm pretty sure somehow it came to the guy never came down and get it. And we had our limit. And so here we've got this guy's extra shoveler. And so we don't know what to do with it. We just kind of pitch it. Well, the federal guy um, came up to us and was just questioning us up and down. We're like, you know, that's not our duck. We did not shoot that duck. And, and he was a little bit aggressive, but it, that was a really unusual set of circumstances that a duck yeah. comes and literally just dies in our decoys <laughs> and puts us over our limit. But um, all, all the other guys um, have been are kind and nice. In fact, we've gotten to know some of them over the years so well that we had a duck lease this past year. And one of the head biologists from a certain area actually advised us on how to grow the millet and so I, my point is most of those guys are actually the state guys tend to be duck hunters and yeah. are really, yeah. really good guys. But, uh, yeah, there's some great have... guys in there. Yep. Yeah. I have a funny story about game wardens if we're still on it. Um, sure. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> so we were up on this lake in New Mexico and, uh, there's this airboat and I don't know if it was a guide or what it was, but they were definitely driving birds out of coves to get them moving. Um, and they'd actually rolled up into our spread coming around one of the coves and drew up on oh our spread gosh. before they, before they saw the mojos or just a little <laughs> bit further. And they're like, they did one of those things. And so, you know, we called the game wardens in on, and, uh, so a little bit while later we hear an airboat coming from the same direction and, um, he comes flying around the bend and my buddy, my buddy stands up, gives him the double bird. Um, <laughs> who was it? <laughs> so they come pulling in, you know, it was the, it was the game wardens. And then I can't remember what other agency was with them. I, it was the guy, the, like the Rangers, um, the park Rangers or the, whoever manages the, the, the lake. Um, and they came in and, you know, we did our thing where we emptied the shotguns and, you know, we're always, we're always good to go. We've always got our zip ties on our birds, um, to indicate who's or who. And, uh, we explained the situation and told them that we were the guys that they had in fact called in and they were like, Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like probably better not flip people off. You know that and I said, yeah, that's, that's a great call. <laughs> yeah. That, that's funny. That's funny. Um, I was thinking about your story, Jordan. I actually know there's if there's someone on YouTube and I won't give their name, but if I gave their name, you guys would know who it was that had the feds show up at his door um, after seeing his videos and were I don't know if they ended up ticking him, but they were they were really giving him a hard time about some of the legalities as far as what you can and can't do as far as filming goes on some of the wildlife areas. In fact, and I got to digging around and looking at it. Um, there's some pretty set laws as far as federal land versus state. And some of the laws, especially on federal, are really restrictive when it comes to filming. And like, I didn't know drones are not allowed to be used on state or federal land. Yeah, there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fishing YouTubers have got that where they've got fined for using drones, like to take footage footage mm -hmm. of like fly fishing videos in like the national forest. Um, and yeah, it's just. Yeah, they, there's a lot. Well, of you technically cannot film a hunt on federal land without a permit. It's illegal if to, it's federal land. Oh, there's a good tidbit to know. Not yeah. a YouTuber or anything like that, but that's crazy though. Yeah. Well, you know that. that see, it's just things. If you're monetizing it, it though. 
if you monetize, I, I, I'm not sure if it's if you monetize or not makes a difference on it. I'm not sure. Probably, probably does. Um, but you know, though, though, I'm sure those laws were made for like big movie sets and advertise huge commercial operations. So they write these restrictions for that. And then along comes YouTube and all these little guys are running around out there and it applies to them kind of goes back to the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Yeah. Thing, yeah. That's you were talking about. That was made for like Hollywood. Like you have that like in your budget mm-hmm. to pay for like on set locations. Yeah. Like YouTubers there with taking your phone set. out. Like you literally could like you could literally charge anybody then if you if you have your phone out and you're taking like a selfie video. <laughs> that's the same thing we're doing. I, I have to go back and look at what the actual legalities are i I can't remember if the monetization or not makes a difference or whether it's just posting it publicly it's pro i can't remember um i looked into them really closely and actually conferred with our biologist friend state friend um about it just to make sure everything we were doing was legal but it was certainly educational for sure yeah absolutely Absolutely. anyways i think i pulled us off on a pretty far tangent so A good one though. That's where are we at? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where are we at? Well, I've got a question. For, I've got a question for Ben, and maybe you answered this, and I was daydreaming because I'm a classical yeah. daydreamer. But um, what made you decide to start the podcast? I don't think you said exactly when. When did you get the idea? How long ago did you get the idea? And what? Because man, when you hit the ground running, I mean, you've got traction for as as short as you've been doing it. So that's the I've been. So we started in March. Um, this, what was that four months ago, four months ago. And the thing is, is I've had it in, I've had it in my like plan. I've written up hundreds of show notes and like, cause it would be cool for like the last year and a half, ever since I really listened to my first, um, uh, like waterfowl podcast. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, like that I wanted to be covered. They weren't, you know, doing this, I think. And then I started thinking, you know, like, well, maybe I'll just do it myself. So then started planning. Um, finally, I kind of got to the point. Um, I had a baby due in a couple of weeks and I was like a little bit heavier than I've ever been a little <laughs> bit. Like uh, I just got done moving and I was like, uh, I don't know, sad or something. And I was like, dude, doing it and started doing it and just like, I have to stay busy. Like, you know, body in motion stays in motion. A mind in, in motion stays in motion. And uh, the more sedentary I get, like, worse I feel. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, why not? Just, you know, about to have a kid. Why not ha- take on a bunch of extra responsibilities? <laughs> no, but I do have a lot of fun with it. And the, the best thing about it, the best thing about it is talking to people about yeah. and relationships. Mm-hmm. And how does that, how has that affected you emotionally and, and everything? having the podcast oh i mean i i love talking to people it gets a little hard sometimes when you're doing like if you don't like we were talking earlier about getting it down to like one or two work nights a week on it you know um because you don't want to like have to pull over everything to to do your podcast and but the thing is is and once people are listening to you and have a vested interest in you um i feel a responsibility to my listeners you know and that's a good thing and uh, uh, burdens or pressures, but I think that's good because, um, you know, if no one listened, why would I, you know, why would I care about doing anything? But now, you know, you got people listening and people that, you know, really like listening to things and giving you lots of good feedback and really just doing it for them uh, and yourself, you know, one of the, it's, it's 50, 50. Yeah, that's cool. 
I got to say the one of the hardest things about doing yeah. the podcasting is, uh, um, <laughs> I mean, it's a little probably a little bit easier not having to be live on a certain day, but like getting everybody's schedules to me- mesh up. You know, like, hey, oh. can you be here at seven on Tuesday? <laughs> really, you know, you know. And like, who be- am I to really like, you know, try to work Tony Vandemore's schedule or <laughs> you know, Brian Moyes from Delta Waterfowl? He's great. Great, both great people. Um, you know what I mean? But I always feel like a little beholden, like, hey, when do you want to do it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll make the time. Yeah. Yes. Sir. I totally you know? agree about the relationships. Uh, just yeah. talking to different people and making those connections uh, has been uh, a pleasant surprise. I just didn't, I didn't, when we started and Jordan and I kind of asked, I don't remember if he asked me or, but we, we got, he started the podcast before I jumped on. And then about five episodes in, we both started doing it together. And I never stopped to think about how gratifying it would be to, to really talk with these, all these different people and get to know them. It's been it's yeah. really fun. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. And, you know, some people there's... you'd never, you'd never have like the, like, not even that we have like leverage to talk to these people, but like, um, <laughs> you just get to talk to some of the coolest people and it's, you're giving them a little bit of a platform to come on and say something like, cause we had like Ben, you know, Ben Potter on last week and he's kind of yep. like the un- the unsung hero of like all the, the films, you know, Dr. Duck film, the linguist yeah. and just being able to pick like a mastermind's brain like that, yeah. you know? Oh, that's the, other, that's the other one I missed too, that when I was talking about a podcast earlier, Dr. Duck and you guys had him on that. Those guys seem oh, really was, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, super cool. Super yep. cool. Yeah, and yeah, Ben was That's super been a little cool surprising too. That, too that no one's been really arrogant, right? Everyone's been just down to earth, cool guy. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, the first time I had you on, Elliot, I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem I tend to have. Arrogant. <laughs> Funny. Um, and the the other thing too is this: there's there's a lot of us out there, hunters, but mm-hmm. there's not. You know, and so when you are interacting with other hunters on, on public land, um, but then once you really understand like the bigger picture of things of it being like, Hey, only, what is it? 7% of us hunt now out of the entire U S population. And then there's like another, you know, there's 5% that are completely anti hunting. So we're not, we don't have to worry about them. The, you know, the pitas and things like that. We don't have to worry about them we have to worry about how we like portray ourselves to everybody in between. Um, and that's who we really need to, you know, in a, in a, in a positive light to, and what better way than to show people that there's like good people out there than, you know, podcast, uh, having them on there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Some, some of the way that, uh, hunters get portrayed in the media, you know, we can only do ourselves a favor by, you know, showing the opposite light of, you know, we're not just a bunch of like hillbillies swinging guns around and <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I know, you know, there's that filter, the PETA filter. It's like shoot selfies, not animals. Yeah. People will like post, um, photos with that on there. And I, I totally get it. Um, like you want to these, but, um, there's should never not be proud of being a hunter. You're, you know, you're lessening the burden on the, you know, factory farming. Um, you're doing, contributing a lot of money to conservation and habitat. Um, and really that what better way, um, you know, to bring good quality meat into your home than hunting. Um, 
And I just don't know if the people in the middle would really like look at a up a a dead duck with shoot selfies, not animals, and think, oh, there's a you know, uh, you know, a responsible yeah. human being, and and yeah, um, look. definitely, yeah. I know a lot of people did that, and I was like. I was so tempted. Like the first thing I thought of when yeah. I saw that was to do that. I think that's everybody. Everybody's first initial thought was like, you see that? Like, oh, this is like so perfect. Like you go put your image in there. And, uh, you know, I, I literally, like I set it up and I'm like, wait a minute. Like just take a, take a second and think about this. And then I didn't post it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, good call. You know. kill, kill them with kindness. You know what I yeah. mean? Kill them with kindness. Yeah. Uh, gotta be assertive and playground, right? When you're, you know, when you're in third grade, kid hits you you hit him back well when you're you know a professional adult and and you're um and out in the society generally you know it's best to just defend yourself and and get away from it and uh, Mm -hmm. call the cops yeah (laughs) so (laughs) don't crazy person yeah absolutely we had a whole segment where we talked about that similar stuff where Jordan had shown a picture of a turkey where someone had used this camo and camo camoed up the whole face of the turkey and everything. Yeah, and heart. Yeah, it was a, it was a face paint company. I shouldn't say the name. Don't want to like you know. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen that. I've seen that one. It's just not a good look for the sport. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't. I will never claim to be like the the moral uh, line of um, of hunting. I I have what I believe is right and. Um, you know, respecting whatnot. And there's just, I feel like hunters have a lot of responsibility and, um, but there's also, there needs to be a lot of fun. I don't, I don't know if you guys listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, but Ted Nugent was on yesterday. Really worth a listen. It, 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 it was fun to, to hear Ted Nugent talk about uh, his opinions on all these kind of similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, We're actually having Ted Nugent yeah. on next week. Oh really? No, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Call him up. Never know. You, ne- you never know. Never know. Now that guy's yeah. pretty. Um, what's the right word? I don't even know. Um, um excitable, fiery, <laughs> passionate. Yeah. He he has his opinions and um, he's not afraid to share them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so. no matter how Ooh. far he, he is away from the middle spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Lightning round? Uh, actually, I got. A, I think I got another question for Ben. So you got your uh, your podcast going, and I guess like, what is your future plans with it? You know. Oh yeah. So so the the future plans. We'll see. We'll see where it takes us. Um, I was talk to you guys doing about a little collaboration on this maybe in the, in the, in the future, but um, I don't really mind giving away some of this stuff. So I think with the season, when the season comes up, I think we're going to do like a little Thursday um, brief for the, for the nation and uh, you know, kind of hit some regional weather trends that are going on and have some, uh, some scouting reports from around the the nation to just kind of give people a little heads up on what's coming Nope, looks like we might have lost him again. I'm sure he'll pop back in here in a second. Yeah, we'll give him a second. Yeah, once he uh, gets back through that, we'll jump onto the lightning round. Okay. But that's a good idea. That's uh, 
similar to to uh, kind of what you were thinking of doing with the YouTubers in a way. Yep, yep. And I, I haven't actually. Could, uh, I wonder if we could collaborate on that in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That'd be. Great. I was actually gonna. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I haven't okay, actually yeah. announced my thing yet. So. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then so I guess that's the short term plans. I, I'm about to start um interviewing my listeners, um because as uh just as valuable input as a professional um would in, in in some instances everybody's really good at something and so i want to highlight that and um i really think it's cool to interact with i i love that you guys do the live thing and you get to talk to people i don't i don't necessarily have the um scheduling um freedom to be able to do that kind of thing and uh I, i'm very envious that you get to like back during your, 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 your podcast with like listeners and, and things like that. But yeah, I'm about to start um, hitting up my listeners for like, Hey, what are you good at? Let's talk about it. So are they going to be like call in? Or are you going to pre-schedule um, that? Or how's that going to look? No, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pre-schedule it and um, we'll give them, you know, we call it our tales and tips segments. We've had a couple of them. Um, and so we'll just have them on and it'll just be a kind of a, a, a duck camp conversation about, um, what it is that, you know, they bring to the table for everybody else that, um, you know, and it, it doesn't really matter if it's an hour long or we'll cut it into to something so that um, I, I think I think I feel like people really like to get involved um, and I want to be able to do that for people. So awesome. But five year plan or 10 year plan, uh, you know, I don't know. It'd be nice to just sit in my basement and talk about ducks and get paid for it at some point. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a that's a that's a dream um, well the nice thing like jordan was saying is we are kind of at the forefront of podcast in the waterfowl world um we're starting up at a time where there's not that much competition so maybe being kind of yeah. at the front edge of it who knows yeah going compared yeah. to like you know whitetail or western podcast there's like you know oh, there's wow. there's a countless number and then it goes from like you know, you think about the the duck hunting podcast, and there was one active when we started, and then since now, I mean, there's like five, six active. And Elliot kind of seen uh, has seen a, a similar thing with the YouTubers as well. When he started, really? he was at the forefront of you know the vlogging style YouTube hunts, and since then, you know, it's kind of right. exploded. Can I pull over for a second? For you, and I've I've watched quite a bit of your videos. I want to know what this creepy baby thing is about. <laughs> freak baby. All right. Yeah. I'm freak glad, you, I'm glad that you asked because I, here's the thing about freak baby. I never know how much to include or exclude freak baby because of like the weird factor and, and the, and the factor that people don't know where freak baby came from. So last summer we did a video called, um, can Dan, we did a series called can Dan do it. I don't know if you're familiar with those at all, but okay we gave Dan challenges and he had to see if he could do them. One was he had to catch a hummingbird in his bare hand. Another one is we went on the Missouri river and he had five hours to build a raft out of whatever <laughs> he could find. And he had to float it five miles back to the boat and we camped out. And, and so on that video, as Dan was making this raft, I look over and there's this creepy looking baby doll, naked little baby doll, just laying there in, in this wood pile. And so I grabbed this thing. Terrifying started squeezing it it started peeing all this black muddy water all over dan so funny that we just went so when dan floated down the river we made a little flag out of freak baby where we we put the flag on the boat and hung freak baby from it 
And I don't know, it just kind of after that, we just kept this doll and uh, kind of became a little mascot. And so the idea is that Freak Baby is kind of like a little Easter egg Freak Baby for people. Like um, in the survival video number one, there's a 0.4 second flash of Freak Baby's face in there. And so it's just for people. It, my idea is this is just for people who know about it. That's fine. It finds it funny, but I don't want to use it too much where people don't know what it is and just find it so weird that it actually <laughs> detracts from the... exactly. Exactly. Aiden what and I think they, uh, this baby is so funny. What if I, they I, already know about it, but they think it's weird. Well, that's okay. That's all right. I, I, you have to, when you're doing this, this social media stuff, you have to push people both ways. You have to either make people feel a negative reaction or a positive. What you don't want is people being bored. So if if some people don't like it, like those guys are so weird, they have a creepy little baby doll that they bring around with them sometimes, and they don't watch a show, that's all right. That's okay. Or maybe they'll watch it just because they think it's weird and make fun of it. I don't know. But that, yep. that is the story of Freak Baby. That's hilarious. Yeah. Aiden is the housekeeper of Freak Baby. We did actually buy Freak Baby clothes as well. Did he have to buy like a an extra large uh, blind bag to start carrying it around or anything? I don't know what he stores it in. He just he, he, she actually has a a uh, um, Instagram account. It's uh, FDH Freak Baby at FDH Freak Baby, and uh, Aiden Aiden keeps it. My mom's actually the one that bought the clothes, and Aiden will just post little pictures of Freak Baby on hunts from time to time, and it's just kind of a gimmicky, funny little thing that Dan and Corn hate Freak Baby, but uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right, I guess right. I'm glad I get to explain it whenever I can. (laughs) I guess right now is probably a good time to jump to the lightning round. And like you said, you've you paid attention to our stuff before, so you you know what's going on. Yes. So, I wish I had some cool music to play or something, but (laughs) let's jump right into it. Um, Okay. What gun do you shoot? Browning BPS, soon to be a Stoger over under Condor. Nice. Uh, what's what's your dream gun? <laughs> Browning BPS. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going away from your dream gun? It's a thing that I'm doing with my... I, you know, I take that back. Dream gun? The humpback. Browning humpback, for sure. Nice. But I got, uh, a, I got a couple of those. Yeah. So the over under thing, sorry, lightning round. We can call this like the rolling thunder <laughs> uh, round. Uh, the over under thing is, is like I'm trying to do it to not be different, but to show that like you don't have to have the semi auto and you don't just to have to have, you know, the pump. And I think it's pretty cool that you can have two different chokes. Um, and that is a really cheap gun. It's like 300 bucks um i think if that and um i want to show people that you just you don't have to do what you know the best in the business are doing shooting you know what's well, a very uh, traditional fouling gun as an over and under it, oh exactly like where when did we get like when did we get so <laughs> when did we get so uh uppity or what i, I don't not uppity but when did we get so uh See, my way consumed by like that's, that's a weird way of saying that yeah because <laughs> i've got an over under uh browning that my boy 20 gauge that my boys use when i take them out and you wouldn't believe how many negative comments on those videos that people give about them using over and under i'm like you obviously don't know what you're talking about because that is such a traditional fouling gun it, it, it's cr- people get really upset about it um yeah. but and the other thing too uh 
Elliot, this plays into to what you uh, website that the the stats thing. Uh huh. What what about that third shot? You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. <laughs> your shooting percentage will go up on with an over and under. That right? is guaranteed. We'll, we'll see. There's a big bet over on the our our uh, listener page um, about how many. So I'm actually going to use it. So, but uh, here's another, and not to you know totally disagree, but you know you said your your shooting accuracy will go up, but you know is that the end all be all? You know because I I also think that your number of ducks per hunt will go down. Probably, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, down. maybe if you're. It'd have to go down some because, I mean, you take out any triples, you take out any doubles where you missed your first shot, and your any singles where down. you missed. Yeah, you, I guess, yeah. Probably uh, your cripples will go down. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, is people say, well, I, I use the third shelf for cripples, right? And it's like. Well, you can load in. Just about the time I'm going for cripples, you know, I got two other, you know, I broke the barrel. I've, you know, slapped two more shells in there. I got, we're good to go. Yeah. yeah, I'm not ready to give up my third shot, but I applaud you. For <laughs> like I said, we'll see. I'm just a man talking um, on a computer right now, so I've I've used my uh, Browning Satori over under, and uh, I I prefer the semi-automatic as well. <laughs> I also but you don't, do you do whatever works for you. I also don't know if my shooting, you know, I, I consider myself a decent shot, but that's probably because I've been shooting the same shotgun since I was 12 years old. Now, is that BPS? Is that English stock? Like the sloped? Because I grew up, I grew up uh, shooting a Browning BPS. And I bet, yep. That's the, like that's the gun I grew up shooting right there. See, they got it for yeah. me because I, I'm a lefty, but I don't shoot. Uh, they didn't know if I was going to shoot left or right-handed, so they got it with the, the bottom eject and then the top safety. Um is why my grandpa got me that particular uh, model. So when, um, when I said I'm, English stock, you know how uh, you know how it's kind of rounded off where you put your cheek on it. I, I never was a huge fan of that rounded yeah. stock like that, but I shot that clip till when I was twenty. It looks pretty yeah. similar to this, honestly. I'm gonna have one of those someday. <laughs> so those BPSs are a little heavy too. A little uh, bit heavy. Yeah, any of these old it, guns are. Yeah, and and that's the thing too is, I, I think it's just I'm such a big thing about like we shooting solutions um, in our DNA. Like our our ancestors knew how to pick up a spear and they could do the math in their head to throw it at a, a gazelle, you know. Um, and there are a lot of things that you can do to make yourself a better shot um, through training and things like that. I've just always been an instinctual shooter and um i always just that's how i kind of tell people like hey you just feel it like they say do i have to lead it how much do i have to lead it by i say just follow through on it and like you're it's in your dna like yeah. you can do it don't overthink about it yeah um maybe maybe not in everybody's dna i don't know well the, the last thing i'll say certainly. about go, go, ahead, the, go ahead the last thing i'll say about the the over under semi debate as far as the accuracy, you know, it might not, you know, like you're saying, because for me, I feel like I miss my first shot a lot just because I rush it. So if, with somebody else, if you're able to get on there, 
not rush it, take your first two shots, and then you're not taking a third shot way off there, is it going to increase your accuracy? But if you're the guy who rushes up there, misses his first shot, hits his second shot, and would have hit his third shot, then then your accuracy actually would have gone up. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know. I'm yeah. kind of evolving, you know, because we all kind of evolve through different phases um, in our, I'm starting to slow down a little bit and um, I, I can definitely tell I'm starting to slow down a little bit, be a little bit more patient. And uh, um, I think it'll be nice because there were some times where I, you know, I switched out the choke tubes and went on to a different, you know, uh, ammo just because I didn't want to destroy these birds that were getting in so close or um, things like things, things of that nature. So. Yeah. And I'm definitely not saying don't do it. I'm saying it'll be interesting to see what you find Probably. out. <laughs> yeah. Plus I want to be, I just want to be a little weird. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this is the longest lightning round officially. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, what shot size do you use for ducks? Uh, number two, three inch. And for geese? Uh, either number two, uh, three inch uh, or BB. Nice. I've actually tried that number twos for everything. Me too. Um, that's, yeah. That's what we, I, you, I, I shoot two, uh, fours for teal, but then everything else, twos, geese, and whatever. I don't shoot them unless so, they're close. So I'll say that um, during teal season, um, there last year, uh, it, there was a, a situation where there was no way other than to, like, I was, the farthest I could shoot these birds was 20 yards. So switched it out to, to number fours and uh, even, I think I even had a couple number sixes in there, but they went down, you know, at that distance and it made it a heck of a lot easier. So yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, to have uh, you your mind made up. So three inch or three and a half, three inch. I, I don't think ducks or geese. Ducks face paint or no face paint. Am I going out to eat with my wife later? <laughs> that shouldn't change. I don't think the, the answer. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like first first day first hunt of the season throwing it on there you know like if we're going out and we're going to be hunting like two days in a row and and uh kind of you know just doing manly things or just getting out there and being one with nature like i'm just gonna throw some you know big old glaba black paint on yeah nice i'll go paint <laughs> what ammo brand uh federal or i've caught in some heat on this one too i really like that field and stream ammo from dicks mm. Mm. i ain't heard of it it's uh anti-second amendment that's all i know no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beard or no beard no beard that's a, that's a first no we've had we've yeah, had three well, now <laughs> i don't remember said, but said no beard really yeah yeah you've uh okay. there's somebody else said no beard and you said that was the first then too <laughs> ah, well my memory sucks <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no beard <laughs> rivers or fields <sighs> rivers rivers or marshes 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 or timber <laughs> What are trees? Okay. <laughs> what is, what yeah, is I've never I've never uh, hunted timber either. <laughs> Nebraska, Kansas, desert. You know. Like, yeah. Any any of the big name guys who've hunted everywhere always say timber. Yeah. Mm. I've definitely try. I definitely want to get on one. That'd be super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mojo, Lucky Duck, or Jerkstring. Nope. Lost him again. 
I think he's going to say Mojo. Me too, just from his previous stories. Yeah. He'll pop back in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, there. I'm back. I'm sorry. Mojo's Lucky Ducks or Jerk String? Dove Mojo. I've never bought in a duck one. They're just as good. <laughs> Really? You you are a fan of being different, aren't you? <laughs> you know, so and that's the other thing too is I anytime I go hunting with my buddies, like they always want to put the mojo like in the spread. Um but I usually don't like to have a mojo within like 40 yards, 50 yards of where any of my decoys are. I'll go put them on like the other side of the pond because I think they're really good for pulling ducks in i think maybe i don't know uh, for what reason i don't think they're that natural looking um so heck i'll like i'll go put them up near the the truck almost um on a on a, if i'm you know on a hill or something a good visibility because it'll pull the it'll pull the birds in like if they see that and then they get to the, the pond and i'll finish them with the the real decoys you know so i'll tell you what when they first came on the hunting scene i wasn't gonna get one they were so effective. It was either get one or don't shoot ducks on public land. I mean, anyone had one on the area that you were hunting, you weren't going to shoot any ducks. It, it was unbelievably effective. Nice. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I've just kind of always, I mean, I just didn't want to spend a lot of money on it. So I just bought like three dove mojos for 90 bucks. And then when we were hunting um, out in the desert, I'd go find the highest, point i could even if it was like 200 yards away stick all three of them there turn them on cool. go walk back down to the to the the pond or the lake and that's interesting <laughs> mornings or evenings mornings all right well that concludes the turtle i mean the the lightning round and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you mentioned do, do you keep track of your statistics so that's what I take the tailgate pictures for. Um, but like, I don't do like sunny days or anything, but I, I do have like a guttural feeling like um, on what works for what places um, during the season and historically. But um, yeah, I keep track. Like I, I get really serious about that hip, like the harvest information mm -hmm. program and I'll do it. I'll do it for the whole party the whole year. I'll keep a little log book for everybody. And um, I, I like to just keep like totals yeah. numbers too, just, that way I can, well, if you are interested in trying out uh freelance hunt stats, let me know. I'll hook you up with an account and you're welcome, Absolutely. To, welcome to give it a shot. And I'm, we're still in the get feedback phase. So sure. Um, if you're interested in that, yeah, um, you're welcome to, I'll set you up with an account and you can. Yeah. I'll get, feedback I'll it. get digital with it. Um, yeah. Cause you don't on, on that site you don't have to keep things you don't want to. You don't have to keep your shooting percentage. You don't have to track weather. None of those fields are obligatory fields. So uh, doing it, I'm do doing it all the way, whatever. man. Yeah. In the future, I want to, I want it so that you can actually hide things that you don't want to keep track of to make it more <laughs> sleek, but we're not to that point yet, but it's real basic and keep whatever you want and don't keep what you don't want, but I would love to get feedback on it. Oh, I'll, I'll do it for sure. Cool. We'll talk. We'll talk. We're good. Sam. All right. Good. Anybody else got anything to add before we uh, wind this thing up? I'm looking um, forward to uh, being over on your podcast when, it, when we do that on Foulfront. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. And I, we're going to do talking about all about like video and stuff, right? 
whatever you want. Is that that's what we're doing? <laughs> cool thing. All right. Yeah, that sounds good to me too. That'll be great. Um, like just how to capture your your films uh, or how to capture good duck hunting film. You know, sounds good. Yep. Some of the best in the business right here. Well, <laughs> a couple amateurs in the business for sure, but. <laughs> Now I really enjoy like watching both your guys' stuff and like so happy. My daughter actually like loves what like. There's no difference between like little baby bums thing you put on there and duck hunting. For her, so. <laughs> nice, nice. So good to go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. Uh, let's. I think we got a couple questions here. So, what DSLR do you use now, and what was your first DSLR? Um, well, my first DSLR wasn't really okay. DSLR. Use some like cheap knockoff GoPros and then cell phone footage always works decent. And then I got the Panasonic G7. Um, Elliot, what kind of camera you got? I just bought a Canon Vixia. I can't remember like G3, I think, or G40. I can't remember which G it is. Um, I just bought that. I've got a Panasonic HCV 770 and then a GoPro uh, hero silver hmm. i got the hero five that's my gopro main GoPro. yeah mine's four mine's a gopro four did i say that four so and i used i got the shot cam as well or not the shot cam tactic cam get those confused ben you got uh cameras you use at all i have an iphone 7 plus and i have um i just bought like my first dslr camera which one did you get uh nikon uh d300 okay um and then i i got a couple gopros so awesome and are you going to be posting more hunts next year is that your plan yeah um so like i don't ever really like too much enjoy video editing i uh, just not not really good at it <laughs> and um so what i do is i film all my hunts and i watch them on my my tv and then i end up putting them in a dropbox for matt over at high prairie sportsman and uh, he set me up with um, what do you uh, lost your audio on that? What was that? Oh, a, like a sub channel or something? Um, a playlist. He put me out. He's got uh, a playlist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. So, Once blind outdoors, ask what is your dream hunt? Um, I think my dream hunt would be something early, like uh, early season Alberta hunt or something like that. How about you, Ben? Um, I, I really, have you seen that how to kill a king or to kill a king yep. um, with Tony Vandemore? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to do something like that. That seems really cool. Like, yeah, go, go get an eider uh, on some black rocks with the storm, like blown up on me. Like for me, I'm the kind of guy, like the worse the weather, like the better. I, yeah. I <laughs> just for the experience and the ambiance, you know? Yeah. yeah, we talked a, a lot point. about that with Ben Potter. <laughs> that same topic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, mine is right now basic. So. I want a duck hunt in the Sand Hills, or uh, that in the Platte River. Those I'm are the do two. it. I'm doing that with Matt this year. Yeah, cool. So maybe time that up right, and we'll get on up there together. Yeah, I'm definitely going to. When I hunt the Sand Hills, it'll or the. Or the plateau most likely be with Matt. I do have another connection up there, so I I don't know if it'll happen this year or not, but okay, um, certainly that'd be a great time to meet up. Yeah. All right, Ben, go ahead and let people know where they can find you on social and podcast, all the good stuff. Find the 
Foul Front, uh, Waterfowl Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, over on www.foulfront.com. We're also on Facebook, where you have a listener group. It's the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group. And we've got some pretty cool people in there and a lot of fun discussion. Uh, and it's pretty, it's a, it's a safe space for hunters. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's where you can find me. And like I said, we're kind of geared towards um, educating the, the new folks and entertaining the rest of us. All right. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. It was a great time. I appreciate you guys a lot. Yes, thank you. Everybody else out there, thanks for joining us. Hit that subscribe button if you're new here and made it through the whole podcast. And, uh, you know, from uh, me at Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube and Elliot from Freelancing, Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube and Ben from Foulfront, Foul we'll see you guys next time. Later. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, guys, for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review five star let us know how we're doing we really appreciate that um and check us out on facebook if you want to continue the conversation we're talking about waterfowl stuff all the time in there so check us out there and that's all we got for this week and we'll see you guys again next week let's go